0: Because of the coronavirus epidemic, and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm your perennial host and and chief narcissist, Michael Dow, and I'm joined tonight, as usual, by my good friends, John Roberts and Sue Timberlake. Good Good evening, everybody. And we're fortunate to have, courtesy of uh, Sue's dedicated efforts, we actually have a special guest tonight, uh, Tanisha Sullivan, who is a candidate for the Secretary of State's office here in Massachusetts. Uh, Ms. Sullivan, born and raised here in Massachusetts. She has a an MBA and a JD from Boston college. And she's worked as a lawyer, at various private law firms and also some life science companies. Uh, she was the chief equity officer in the Boston public school system from 2013 to 2015. And she is the current president of the Boston chapter of the NAACP. Welcome Tanisha Sullivan.
1: Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you all tonight.
0: We appreciate it. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I just want to just dive right in. I'm just curious to know, well, several things. But one, why are you going after the Secretary of State's office? What what, what made you say, like, I need to be involved in the state government and this is the office I want?
1: Because there is no more important office at this moment uh, in our state government uh, to mm. help us fight to protect and advance our democracy. And we know our democracy and our the institutions in our democracy are under attack today. Um, We are being challenged not only nationally, but also here in Massachusetts. And the Secretary of State's office is the chief elections office for Massachusetts. So voting rights and access, major issue here in Massachusetts. We are still fighting for some pretty basic voting rights, like same-day voter registration, the opportunity for any registered voter to decide up to um, and including election day that they want to cast their ballot. We are still fighting for vote by mail here in Massachusetts. I mean, they have they have vote by mail in Georgia, Texas, and Arizona, but folks here in Massachusetts are still fighting for it. And when we think about the power of vote by mail, on um, of the potential of vote by mail to help increase voter participation. We're talking about um, our seniors. We're talking about folks who are in rural communities. We're talking about folks with disabilities. We're talking about our young people Really basic threshold voting rights we do not have here in Massachusetts, and I believe that not only should we have those rights, but we've got to make sure um, at such a critical time in our democracy that Massachusetts is leading, um, not lagging as we currently are. I also, you know, the Secretary of State's office is what I call the chief corporation's office in Massachusetts. If you want to do business in Massachusetts, you've got to go through the secretary of state's office. And at a time when we are experiencing in Massachusetts, deep economic inequality, so many communities, so many families are experiencing the pain of this economic downturn. I believe that we need a secretary of state's office. That's not passive. We need a secretary of state's office that is proactive and that is working with our communities that is working with our small businesses specifically to help bring more economic stability back to families um, across Massachusetts. So I'm running for Secretary of State, bottom line, because this is, again, one of the most important offices in our state government at this moment. And I believe that more needs to be done through it. And I have a vision for this office that is bold, that is creative, that is innovative, and that most importantly is inclusive. Wow. That sounds pretty
2: good yeah (laughs) yes, you know
1: (laughs) so dang um if you're if you're into inclusive democracy yes yeah
2: yeah i I think we're all like into that here here on the show
3: (laughs) you remind you remind me what happened in georgia when uh raffensperger stood up as a secretary of state and you know basically helped us hold on to democracy and um you know, his predecessor, as Secretary of State had, you know, done a disservice to Georgia and to Stacey Abrams. I mean, if you're a real law and order person like I am, it's sort of horrifying what the Secretary of State can do to an election or to your businesses Mm -hmm. or, Mm
1: -hmm. you know, it's
3: really important.
1: It is, Sue. And you're absolutely right. And And I really appreciate you mentioning that piece because, you know, I do. Yes, I am a Democrat. I am running as a Democrat, But I think it's important for us, particularly now, to remember that our democracy is actually nonpartisan in the sense that when it comes to voting rights and accessing the ballot box, it doesn't matter what your political affiliation is. It is a right. And we have to make sure that people are able to exercise their rights free and clear. And we've got to make sure that we have safe, secure and inclusive elections that people can trust. Now, I am a Democrat. And even more importantly, from my perspective, I'm someone who comes to this space with an equity lens. I'm a woman. I'm a woman of color. And so certainly I, and I I grew up in a working class family. And so economic justice is important to me. Gender equity is important to me. Racial justice is important to me. It's very all, they're all very personal. And so I, of course, want to see us increasing voter participation across all communities in hopes that we'll be able to elect people who are more, um, who, who are more in tune with or who, who are in tune with, I should say, really creating an inclusive democracy, a diverse democracy. So we've got to do something about um, the low voter participation rates in some communities.
0: So along those lines then, are you, you talked about uh, how Massachusetts doesn't have good access to vote by mail. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we can get absentee ballots and it's not mm-hmm. hugely difficult to do so, but what would you envision changing? Like if it were up to you, would people just automatically be getting a, a ballot mailed to them uh, at the, you know, like a couple of weeks before the election kind of thing? Uh, how would you want to change
1: things? So, you know, I want to just comment on absentee balloting because there was a time when I thought, oh, well, if someone wants to, you know, cast an absentee ballot, they can't show up, you know, on election day, it's fine. It You know, what's the problem? Well, one of the things that I have learned um, as I've been speaking with people on the trail and in community, talking with folks and learning from folks is that Actually, absentee balloting is not all that easy, especially for folks in our disability community. It's actually quite cumbersome, if you, if, if you will, in the sense that under the current system, absentee balloting, you have to attest under pains and penalties, right? You have to attest that you are, if, you're, if you are disabled, you have to attest that you're still disabled. You've got to explain your reason why every every time you want to cast that ballot i actually think that is unfair i think it's it does a disservice to our most precious right that we have as citizens. And so vote by mail would make it a whole heck of a lot easier for our disability community. They won't have to explain themselves. Um, right. Folks will jump <laughs> get that ballot and, and cast it, exercise their right. And so I do talk a lot on the trail about diverse democracy. And I, and I do so because I want us to be intentional and focused on what we're trying to accomplish when we, when, when we're talking about um, a diverse democracy. And that is one that recognizes that we here in Massachusetts are working to ensure that every person has the opportunity to fully participate in our democracy and experience the benefits of our democracy. And so that means that when we're tearing down barriers to access for the ballot box, it means that we are advancing vote by mail. Um, It means that we are advancing same day voter registration, which, oh, by the way, Maine adopted in 1973. We are a half century behind. Sorry, Mm. half (laughs) century. Okay. And it also means that we are having conversations in our communities about how we advance voting rights. So, for example, I was very proud to serve as a co chair for Ranked Choice Voting, Ranked the Vote Massachusetts here in 2020. You know, a voting um, structure that I believe can actually create uh, a system where the voice of the people um, is actually amplified. And although that particular ballot initiative did not make it across the finish line, I'm still a believer, you know, and supportive of efforts like the, the, the local efforts like that in uh, Amherst, for example, um, where they've got ranked choice voting at the municipal level. Right. And I'd love to see more communities explore in that space and would absolutely as secretary of state be a champion of that. I'd also like to see coupled with increased civics education investment, I would love to see more municipalities consider as part of their public education curriculum the opportunity for high school students to participate in local elections. I think that is powerful and it gives our young people an opportunity to really cultivate kind of a um, lifetime commitment um to voter participation for example i i believe that democracy doesn't just happen to us that we actually have to work at it
2: you know that's a really interesting um point especially with the the trying to fund civics in in uh public education uh i had a civic i was lucky enough to have a civics class um mm-hmm. in uh i forget middle school i think middle school or high school
4: okay
2: i remember that and it's it's one of the reasons why i am uh, interested in politics and i follow politics because it wasn't just the the fighting and the people on the tv blah blah blah, blah but it was the actual gears of the government yep. and how they worked and we don't really talk about like that stuff as much as as much as we should just the Uh, the different offices that we have and the different um, positions that we have, like more, more kids should be taught about the secretary of state, Mm
4: -hmm. more Mm -hmm. kids
2: should learn about how the state government works. You know, I think that is, that is one of the, one of the linchpins of, of improving our democracy just as a whole, just telling people how the government is actually works
1: absolutely i could not agree more i i you know it is it is um we lost something very significant when we took initially took civics out of the classrooms um, fortunately here in Massachusetts, right? Like we're we're working to bring it back with consistency, right? With fidelity. Um, but the fact of the matter is like there's still more investment that needs to happen mm-hmm. in that space so we can ensure that all kids, um, I say K-0 to grade 12, actually have access to a quality civics education because you you are absolutely right. If we can help our young people understand the history of this country and our government, how it works and the role that they have to play in it, that's power. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things that I got
0: out of junior high education growing up in Andover back in the early Mm eighties. So I don't know,
2: I don't know how much things have changed because you know, I'm (laughs) middle-aged now, but Uh I just, uh, yeah. They probably don't play three ring circus on TV on Saturday mornings anymore.
1: I could tell you that. No, they yeah. definitely don't, but they need to bring back <laughs> yeah. Schoolhouse Rock is what I will say. Okay, uh, you got it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they
2: need to I just threw life. that out there. I was like, I wonder if she's going to get it.
1: Like, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, and again, that's so important and I think, you know, we can't give short shrift to it. it you know, the fact of the matter, the data is very clear that, you know, young people, our millennials, our Gen Zers are disconnecting from democracy and that's a problem.
4: Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, definitely.
1: That is a problem. And so this idea that we don't want, you know, that some people hold of like, oh, well, you know, people have the right to vote and it's up to them to, to, to actually exercise that right. We shouldn't do anything to encourage it is, I believe, anti-democratic. Mm. You know, I believe that we should be doing all we can in a civil, just society to help people, you know, participate in our democracy. I think that we should be doing all we can, you know, when we see year over year that some, you know, in some of our gateway cities that we've got perpetually low voter participation, that's a problem. Yep. You know, yeah. and it's one that we don't talk enough about at the state level. And as secretary of state, I fully intend to activate the full power of the elections division to help ensure it. And, and by the way, um, to asc- to expand the work of the secretary of state's office, to include civics, participation, civic engagement here in Massachusetts, the birthplace of the revolution the birthplace of our democracy it is it is just shameful that we have some of the lowest civic participation in the country in can, the country
0: yeah it it is i'm just wondering can the secretary of state uh if you are elected to the office could you simply say we will have vote by mail like Basically, uh, on the authority of the office? Or is there like, do we have to make a change in the law, which you'd have to wait until that happened before you could do that?
1: Hmm. So that requires a legislative action. And currently, our state legislature is debating whether we here in Massachusetts should be able to have the same rights as the folks in Georgia, Texas, and Arizona um, in vote by (laughs) mail. And so that it does require legislative action for both same day registration and vote by mail. It also requires uh, legislative action for expanded early voting, where I see a clear distinction between how I would be engaging as Secretary of State in this moment. And what we have been experiencing over the last almost 30 years is I will work in close partnership with our voting rights community. I will work in close um, relationship with our civil rights community to ensure that Massachusetts is leading the way. And when I do file legislation at the Statehouse, I'm not going to stop with the filing. I am going to advocate and lobby our legislature to ensure that it gets across the finish line. I'm not just going to pass the paper, so to speak. I'm in it. I also, you know, there are other aspects of this office and I think it's important to lift up in this moment, the corporations division in the securities division. The fact of the matter is over the last several months, so many families have seen their retirement accounts drop significantly in value having a major impact on retirement funds you know so many families in over the last 18 months have seen jobs go away and folks are really feeling the pain of our economic downturn right now and are living in, a, in fear for what the future will hold in retirement. And the Secretary of State's office, with its securities responsibility and its corporation's responsibility, I believe, must be more proactive in helping to address this issue for our families. Again, it is not okay for the Secretary of State's office to just be administrative and transactional and say you're on your own, folks. This is an office that is the linchpin in our democracy, and we as the people must expect more of it and must demand that it do more. I'm going to give you an example. During the pandemic, there were the suspension of so many fees across the commonwealth. People, we had mortgage moratorium, we had rent moratorium, we had utility moratorium, we had car loan and more, right? You know, nearly every institution was understanding where we were, the crisis we were in, except the Secretary of State's office. You know, you still had to file, you still had to pay your, your annual fees to do business even if you were a restaurant that couldn't be open?
0: Oh yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Like, like on, in what world do we think that is acceptable? You know, but the fact of the matter is we have allowed for the Secretary of State's office to get away with that kind of stuff for decades. I can assure you that as secretary of state, someone who's coming into this work with a true justice lens, with a true lens of equality and inclusion, that's not going to happen with me. And my back isn't going to have to get put against the wall to actually do something to help our communities and our people because we are a commonwealth wealth. And we have to expect of every office that they're doing their part to ensure that we are all experiencing com- the, the 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 benefits of this commonwealth.
0: Well, all right. So there's a question I I, I wanted to ask, I want to ask you quickly before we get to the second, you know, take our break and then go into the second half because there's there's lots to cover here. But uh, just to circle back slightly to the issue of, of voting rights and ballot access. Um, mm-hmm. Last May, May of last year, uh, 2021, we were fortunate enough to have Christina Mensik on, and she's the National Campaign Director for the National Council for Incarcer- Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls. And one of the th- projects she was working on uh, was uh, ballot access for people who are in jails and prisons in Massachusetts, uh, you know, awaiting trial or having been sentenced for, you know, some crime or whatever. Um and how difficult it was for them to get uh, taken to the polls or get absentee ballots uh, and, and have their, you know, have their voices heard and, you know, even register to vote in the communities where they were. And uh, is that, I don't know if you're aware of that organization or how much you're aware of that problem, but what will you do about that to make sure that people who are marginalized and many of whom haven't been convicted of any crime, uh, not that i'm in favor of taking voting rights away from people who are convicted of crimes but whatever that's that's me um what do you what what are you going to do about it <laughs> I'm
1: so glad you asked the question um, because so I am very familiar with Christina, I have done work with her and also the founder of uh, the National Council for Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls, Andrea James, um, oh. a dynamic, phenomenal advocate um, who, again, I've had really the privilege of fighting alongside in the fight for for greater social justice here in Massachusetts. You know, here again, we've got an example of where Massachusetts and our Secretary of State's office has been very um, absent. Um, it's been left practice. up to
0: local sheriffs, I believe,
1: and that is unacceptable yeah. um, because the law. We want to talk law and order, Sue. The law is yep. <laughs> that if you are incarcerated pre-trial or on a misdemeanor, you still have the right to vote in Massachusetts. And the fact is that there are some, it has been left up to the sheriffs. The Secretary of State's office has not done anything to help protect the rights of those who have the right to vote, who are behind the wall. That is unacceptable. And it has been left up to the sheriffs to ensure that folks have ballot access. And so you've got some sheriffs like Steve Tompkins in Suffolk County um, who has done some good work to not only ensure that folks can cast their ballots, but has also held candidate forums within some of his facilities, right? But cool. that is, but that's up to him. You yeah. know, and there are other there are other facilities where folks are not being given proper access, or even um, given from inf- provided with information about what's even on who's on the ballot and what's on the ballot. Unacceptable. Yeah. And so, I am in full support of the work that has been done. Again, the Votes Act, which is being debated. <laughs> And our state legislature includes, along with the vote by mail and the same-day registration, includes um, ensuring, basically, basically the law ensuring that folks who have the right to vote and are incarcerated actually are able to cast that ballot. I believe this is something that we have to ensure happens, and I think it is. Unfortunate, incredibly unfortunate um, that the Secretary of State's office has not been actively engaged in protecting and advancing ballot access um, for all eligible voters.
0: Well, you're here. (laughs) Yeah, Ms. Mensik made a tremendous impression on me, and I'm really glad to hear that. uh, Hear you say that. Yeah, excellent. Oh, and we are just about at our halfway point here uh, on the show. So we're going to take a short break. We're going to play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs and keep the FCC happy. But then we're going to be back with more civil politics here on Valley Free Radio and continue our discussion with uh, Tanisha Sullivan, current president of the Boston chapter of the NAACP attorney and also candidate to be the secretary of state for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. You could vote for her in the primary coming up on September 6th. And uh, if you get a Democratic ballot and uh, right. So we're going to play those messages and then we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. So please don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so. Yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP Northampton
3: 103.3 FM.
1: There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
2: Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org.
0: And we are back with civil politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP. 103.3 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. And I'm Michael Dow with John Roberts Robertson Sue Timberlake as always. And we are fortunate to have as our special guest tonight, Tanisha Sullivan. <laughs> with the things a piece of paper staring at me. He's like, no, no, get to that. <laughs> anyway, um, Ms. Sullivan uh is an attorney, uh, current chapter president uh in Boston of the NAACP and a democratic candidate for the office of uh secretary of state here uh in the commonwealth of Massachusetts and uh she's running in the primary the uh the vote for that is on Tuesday September 6th and uh Sue actually you were uh reminding me you uh of an important point about that or uh question yeah, about
3: I, that Yeah I am. Um... You know, I, I heard recently there's only I think there's nine states that have closed primaries, but I, w- I couldn't remember if Massachusetts has a closed primary. I'm a Republican. So as much as I'd like to torment our guests tonight, I can't actually vote for her because I'm a registered <laughs> Republican. But I don't quite remember how Massachusetts works.
1: Yep. So here in Massachusetts. If you are registered in a party, so registered in your case, Sue, as a Republican, then you have to take that party's ballot um, during a primary. But if you are unenrolled, which is actually about 60% of voters in Massachusetts are unenrolled, then you will have the option on the primary day to pick which party ballot you want. That will be your option. So again, for the vast majority of registered voters in Massachusetts, those who are unenrolled, they will have the opportunity to pull um, the ballot of their choice. Those who are registered Democrats must take the Democratic ballot. Those who are registered Republicans must take the um, Republican ballot, for example.
3: Okay. Okay. Sixty percent.
1: Sixty percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. I mean, we are Massachusetts. You know, <laughs> we do like to have our freedom of choice here, and so yeah, the sixty oh, percent isn't that very interesting.
2: I love it.
3: It's the majority.
2: When mm-hmm. I, whenever I talk to people about voting in Massachusetts, that's something I'm really proud of that we yep. that we are able to have unenrolled primaries and. Honestly, it's, like, what do you, I mean, I don't know if, it, if it's possible, like, why do we have enrollment at all?
1: Well, that's a good question.
2: So many huh. people, like, two-thirds of people, like, just aren't, aren't enrolled. Why enroll at all? Just have that as an option at, um, on Election Day. Let mm-hmm.
0: people just take the ballot they want. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Wild,
2: that. right?
4: Mm -hmm. Years ago,
3: some people tried to get me to go to the Democratic Convention, but I told them I was a registered Republican that took care of that. So maybe that's it. So you can go to the convention. Honestly,
0: Sue, I would love to go to the Democratic Convention with you. I think it'd be great.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was thinking of going to the Republican convention with my pro-choice shirt, but I think I'd probably be stoned. So, wow. you, know? <laughs> you, might,
1: you might need to change parties or go unenrolled. So. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. We keep yeah. telling her, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's> lifelong. <laughs> what can I say? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm holding on for dear life here.
2: So, oh my
1: goodness.
2: So you, uh, so, so, um, in your view, like the like our our massive unenrolled population that that is a that is a benefit or is that like a negative or what do you what do you think about that Hmm. that's
1: a great question look i believe i'm a firm believer in an expansive democracy so for me i want people to be registered to vote and i want people to exercise that right and so, of course, as a Democrat, as a candidate, as a democratic candidate for Secretary of State, I <laughs> of course want people to vote um, to pull the Democratic ba- to be registered Democrats and to pull the Democratic ballot if they are unenrolled. but um, but truly, I mean, look, democracy is nonpartisan, right? And the most important thing is that we increase civic participation and that people have an opportunity to serve in our communities, that people have the opportunity to have their voice be heard, that folks have the opportunity to elect people to represent them who reflect their values, and that we can do that through safe, secure, and inclusive elections. And that really is, you know, people getting registered to vote, people actually exercising their right to vote. So voter participation and safe, secure, and inclusive elections, that's the core job um, of the Secretary of State, regardless of what party someone is a member of, or their ideolo- ideology. And so, as a as a lawyer, as someone who's consistently been a fierce defender of um, civil rights and you know our human rights and justice, I don't. I don't, when it comes to people casting their ballot, I don't pass judgment. I just want to make sure that everybody who has the right to vote can actually get it done.
0: So uh,
2: it's, oh, go
0: ahead, John. Sorry. No, I,
2: just one more question that I thought of. Uh, what, uh, like in the, in the Secretary of State's office, is there anything that if you're, if you're elected, is there anything that you can do to help other parties have more of a chance in Massachusetts, like third Interesting. Third parties like is there anything that you can do to to bolster those or or because some people they they want to serve but they don't want to be uh affiliated with the democrats or the republicans mm-hmm. they want to be like green mm-hmm. party or libertarian or whatever mm-hmm. so um like the cannabis commission or something i don't know so <laughs> uh what um is there anything that you can- Is that, that
1: a party? Can, are you-, are you, you No, I
2: know there's a cannabis, cannabis party. I forget what it's called.
1: <laughs> it be a party.
2: Okay. <laughs> the Cannabis Commission is like an office in Massachusetts, but like, I know there's a, there's a pot party of some sort someplace. But um, oh. just the, the, the powers of the Secretary of State. Yeah. Is there something that you can do to help third party candidates uh, have more of a chance in our elections?
1: So a few things on this, um, one I am, so I, you shared about my, um, my graduate school experience, my JD and my MBA I received both of them from Boston college, my undergraduate degree. I was, re- I received from the university of Virginia, Thomas Jefferson's university and mm. a whole other show on Thomas Jefferson. But for the moment,
4: let's
1: talk about Thomas Jefferson, um, you know, and his philosophy democracy. Mm-hmm. and democracy and For me, as Secretary of State, one of the things that I look forward to doing is encouraging more conversations like this one. I believe that our democracy is stronger when we are able to have civil discourse, yes, but also civil debate in the public square where different, different opinions and perspectives and experiences are shared and debated in a way that helps to actually strengthen our democracy and move us further in the advancement of our democracy. I think that the more diversity of opinion and perspective we have, the better. And I, I, I'm i not gonna say that that has to come through a particular party affiliation, because for me, I, I actually think part of our problem today in, um, in in what is in some respects keeping us from being able to move forward like Congress um, is that we've <laughs> gotten to the point where people focus first on party affiliation and on the issue second. And our democracy is struggling as a result. Mm. Um, and so as Secretary of State, um, first and foremost, I want us to see ourselves as actively engaged folks, people in this democracy and encourage, again, more debate, more discussion that helps to move us forward. That's one. The second is, I do believe that in order for us to not just have uh, more diversity in the party representation or in the ideology representation um, running for office, that we need to take a closer look at campaign financing. Mm-hmm. Our current structure, does not, does not support our articulated values. What I mean by that is our, we say here in Massachusetts that we want, you know, um, more people to run for office. We say that we want more diverse representation and that is racial, ethnic, gender, cultural, linguistic, right? Economic, like the full spectrum of diversity. We say that we want that. But then we have a system that is set up to quite frankly keep the status quo and the status quo because you know women we were we didn't have the right to vote from the very beginning, and people of color you know we didn't have the right to vote from the very beginning, you know some of us are catching up um, my God, <laughs> we can't have that are, can some we of us, <laughs> some of us some of us you know yeah. we're we're still you know were we're, we're still catching up here, and yeah. so the systems that we currently have actually are set up to maintain the status quo. Yep. And maintaining the status quo does not support diversity in representation. And campaign finance is one of the biggest obstacles. When you have a system like we do, where you know people are able to, for example, candidates are able to maintain what is called, air quote, a war chest, okay, build and maintain war chests of millions and millions of dollars just sitting on the side um, to protect their seat, that's a problem, especially when we have classrooms where children don't have textbooks, especially when we have people standing in food pantry lines because they don't have food to eat, especially when we've got too many people in Massachusetts who are trying to figure out how they're going to pay the rent. And we have campaigns raising and spending and holding on to millions and millions of dollars just to win an election. That is not reflective of our values. We need campaign finance reform. We need campaign finance reform because we have allowed for a system that says that if you essentially, if you don't have money, if you don't have resources, then you're not considered to be viable, regardless of how great your ideas are or your perspective is. We've set up a system that is quite exclusionary. We've set up a system that, puts money first versus what's in the best interest of the people that's a problem so if we want to create more opportunity for whether it's other parties or for just people who have different perspectives to be able to get in the game and serve our communities, we have to deal deal with our campaign finance here in Massachusetts.
0: So what are some things that you could do were you Secretary of State for Massachusetts? Mm-hmm. What are some things you could do? Because uh, the Secretary of State's office is in charge of, among other things, overseeing uh, campaign finance laws, right, in this in the state?
1: So actually, our Office of Campaign Financing is separate from the Secretary of State's office. Oh. So OCPF is actually an independent um, body mm. um, overseeing our campaign financing. That said, I do think, you know, like any elected official, especially a constitutional office, the Secretary of State has the power of the platform. Yeah right and 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 can use that platform to advance certain public policy as you know and one of the things that i absolutely look forward to doing and i believe is within the wheelhouse of the secretary of state is to advocate for more equity in our campaign financing so that we can actually start living out our values here in massachusetts so that we can So that we can actually get to a more inclusive representative elected bodies. And as Secretary of State, I I absolutely will continue to work with our communities, with our advocates, and with our legislators to ensure that we not only have safe, secure, and inclusive elections, but we are also creating, having a system where more people. Who are interested in serving? Because remember, this is public service. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we forget that it's public service. You know, so we can have a system where people who want to be public servants and want to serve in this way actually have the opportunity to make their case to the voters and um, and potentially serve. Mm. So the reason
2: I was asking about about the third parties and everything before is, I mean, it would be great to not have to worry about about that sort of thing like not have to worry about party affiliation and and uh and like putting everybody into a box you know mm-hmm. like um mm-hmm. but it, with the way that like you said like with the way our 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 elections are set up like the it, like party affiliation is still an issue that people have to overcome like sometimes they're yeah. forced to be to run as a democrat or republican they don't want to you know mm-hmm. um especially in our local elections there's a little bit more freedom with that uh okay. but having like a like statewide elections or like county elections where um some of our senators or or representatives would be of a different party than just the big two quote unquote is is very important so like in in terms of that like is there like what can you do to really push forward stuff like uh ranked choice voting or really mm-hmm. open up the uh open up the i don't know the door to uh for for people like like i don't know the green party or libertarians or whatever whoever you know
1: so you know it is your point about people picking a party in order to run is a good one because I mean, here in Massachusetts, what we know is that, you know, at the legislative level, for example, we have, you know, both our Senate and our House are, you know, democratically controlled, controlled by the Democrats. Um, but what we also know is that we've got the full spectrum of Democrats, okay, mm-hmm. from an ideology standpoint. Right. Right. And, you know, and we've got to be careful with that. And so, you know, because Just to say that someone is a Democrat, you know, we, I do think we need to ensure that and hold people accountable um, for actually living out the values um, of the party, the party platform. We've got to hold people accountable for voting, right, in accordance with the party platform (laughs) and not just, for example, saying they're a Democrat to be able to run. That's a problem mm-hmm. for, any, for either party, quite frankly. Yeah, but I, definitely. I, I really, right. I mean, I really do appreciate your calling out like municipal elections where, you know, it isn't partisan. People just run um, without party affiliation um, at the municipal level. And I, I think that's an important call out. So we, we do have it in some parts of our government and you know, and it does work. Um, you know, we're seeing it play out at the municipal level. In terms of ranked choice voting, again, I am a super fan. I would love to see it at the state level when I think about, for example, the lieutenant governor's race that's happening on the Democratic side mm-hmm. this year. We've got five candidates. Um five, hmm. right? Yeah, five candidates, <laughs> right? Like You know, if ever there were a case for ranked choice voting, Mm. there we have it, you know, really giving the opportunity for the person who is elected to be the person who the majority of people support. And there's power in that because when people vote for someone, when an over when a majority of people vote for someone and say that they support them, you know, it means that we have a higher likelihood of people remaining engaged. And we've got to get to the point where we're cultivating a culture of civic engagement and civic participation. And that means we've gotta get to the point where, yes, we are getting our voter participation rates up, but also yes to we've got more people sticking with it. So it's voting plus, we've got more people after the election showing up at school committee meetings, showing up at city council meetings and select board meetings. We've got more people volunteering to serve on commissions and boards in their communities to help strengthen them, to do their part. And so when we have elections where the majority of people feel like they, quote, won, right, like their candidate won, then there's a higher likelihood that people will want to do what they can to help that that person. Actually, um, deliver on their campaign promises and on their vision for the office. Right. So, I think right rank choice voting is good for democracy.
2: Sue, um, I know that you had a, a few questions. Are you good to to ask a couple?
3: Oh sure. I was listening to you guys because you took some tax that I wasn't paying that much attention to, but that part about the full spectrum of. Democrats in Massachusetts that's very interesting i remember William Weld um is actually a libertarian he's a republican governor here and um he had to he had to run as a republican in order yeah. to to get in on the financing i think the secretary of state's office don't they um don't they oversee uh securities but that they can they yeah. insist that um, people be fiduciaries. You know, there's a bunch of people who are um, advisors, but they don't take, you're supposed to have fiduciary responsibility if it's a retirement account. I don't I don't know if that's actually well enforced in this state. In other states, they'll chase you down if you're putting people into things that aren't consistent with what they express as their security desires. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like whether it's, um, but I, I'm not sure the intricacy of that, but that Is that an area maybe where the Secretary of State's office would play a role?
1: Absolutely. in helping to ensure that people are protected from fraud and from nefarious behavior, especially when it comes to, you know, um, retirement funds. My goodness. I think... So the Secretary of State does have responsibility for securities oversight and regulation. There are a few things that I'd like to see and that I would do differently through that office. In addition to the important enforcement work that happens, I believe that the office should be working more closely with our financial services industry to help provide more expanded access to financial literacy and helping more people to understand about securities, for example so that it can help people um, know the questions to ask when they are um, engaging with a securities professional um, so that people can um, have a better sense of what might be right for them and not having to rely on a third party to tell them their opinion on what's right for them. So I'd love to see the office delve deeper into financial literacy and um, helping to empower people directly in support of its mission through the securities office. I also believe that the office has to yeah. ensure that we are staying on top of the advancements in digital assets, for example, cryptocurrency, um, which we know oh, is wow. an evolving technology and evolving um, security that <laughs> more and more people are going to yeah. um
0: can the Secretary of State's office fairly regulate a Ponzi scheme? I mean... Oh, my God, Mike. <laughs> oh, no. No, don't I get mean, the crypto bros on us. Come on, what are you doing? <laughs> They're too busy (laughs) crying into their tea Um, over Elon Musk losing uh, all his money. I
1: think this is (laughs) a real thing. I mean, the moment Fidelity Investments announces that they are, you know, that they have entered this space, it's a real thing. Yeah. And so, you know, and and so we've got to make sure it's an evolving technology. It's an evolving asset. Right. And, and the regulatory landscape is, is yet to be defined. And so, We've got to stay on top of that so that we can ensure that people are certainly protected, but also ensuring that people have opportunity.
0: Well, so there's one last thing I wanted to ask you about. We've only got a few minutes left in the okay. show here, but and and it connects to all of these things. You know, people get having access and opportunity, and people being able to participate, and that is public records. Because mm-hmm. Secretary of State, in addition to overseeing elections, is responsible for you know making sure that the Uh, uh, proceedings of the state legislature are published that, you know, notices go out about, you know, uh, licenses and things like that. And if people need to find out information about like, how do I, you know, register, you know, how do I sign up for a dog license? You know, all this other stuff, you know, like, like this is stuff that the secretary of state's office handles. And uh, I was looking at your campaign website and you were uh, rightly decrying that the state of Massachusetts has a terrible, done a terrible job at this. Though I did notice that all the studies you cited were from 2015. So I was wondering, was that just because there weren't any more recent ones or uh, mm-hmm. has uh, uh, things improved a bit in the past seven years?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So no, things have not improved. Massachusetts is the least transparent state in the country. We are one of two wow, really? states in the country. Mm-hmm where our executive judiciary and legislature, all three are exempt from public records, making it incredibly difficult for the everyday person to really have a good sense on what's going on in our government. Um, It is a major, major problem. Let me give you an example. Every day, our legislature is debating public policy. They're trying to make law right yep. mm-hmm. on let's pick a, pick, a, <laughs> that is their job. pick a subject every su- any subject let's yeah. take the votes act which is the voting rights um, legislation at the state house today what is happening right now is legislators are debating and negotiating what the final law is go- what the final bill is going to look like and they are doing it behind closed doors
2: makes no sense
1: Behind closed doors, <laughs> and we, the public, on voting rights, my friends, mm. democracy behind closed doors. Okay, I believe that hmm, public policy should be deba- debated in the public square.
0: Oh my god, that's okay. Why? <laughs> I, I, I just, I just want to be clear. I understand here because you know, like. So, you know, Congressman, you know, who's of what's and uh, uh, Senator, what's her name, you know, get together and they're like, hey, I think we should do this. And, you know, they have a chat in their offices about what they think they should do and whatnot. Like that doesn't that's that's talking behind closed doors. And that doesn't seem crazy to me. But like, are, are you saying like, you know, if they get up and 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 you know, give an address and, a, you know, like, okay, my fellow state reps, I think this is what we should do. And that's not a public thing. Like like that's not something I can publicly access or listen to or read a transcript of or whatever. I, like how secretive is this?
1: Great question. So right now I'll give you, you know, in yep. the vote, act, which is our voting rights um, advancement bill at this legislature, for example, they are debating behind closed doors and it's, with the intention of drafting legislation whether we should have same day voter registration for example and those conversations those debates the negotiations are happening behind closed doors and what will and that's part of the formal process which is different michael yeah. from you know someone having informal conversations right, right. as part that's of the wild. formal official process Wow. behind closed doors. So they will emerge from behind closed doors. The conference committee will emerge from behind closed doors and they will share with their colleagues and with us what the bill is that will be voted on. And we will never know how they got there.
2: Uh, we only have uh, a couple seconds left. And I, I, I want to save it a, a really important something to me uh, for mm-hmm. the end. Now, the Secretary of State is in charge of the booklets that we get every two years. <laughs> the red booklets, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I love those red booklets. Yes. Are you thinking about any changes
1: yes. to,
2: to the red booklets?
1: Yes. The, the, the first thing, one of the things that's going to change is you will not see my name plastered
3: <laughs> okay. Amen. <Yeah>. Amen. <laughs> okay. Uh,
2: what? what? What's the other? What are the other things? <laughs> I'm but, um, so far but, I'm oh, with you.
1: Do, you do, <laughs> um, but we do need to ensure that it is accessible, and what I mean by that that it is written in a way that everyday people can understand. We need to make sure that it is available in multiple languages. Um, I would like to see it, you know, it, most people recognize it because they get it in a physical copy. I would like to see us use technology a little bit more. Um, I am concerned that we've got, you know, several pages that are being printed a million times not only is that a significant expense from financially, but it is a significant cost on our environment. Mm. And so we do need to digitize it. So digitizing the document, updating it in terms of the information that is available in it, ensuring that it is available in multiple languages. And what I would like to do and look forward to doing as Secretary of State is getting it out to the public, A little bit earlier, and then having creating the space for people to learn about these offices that they'll be voting on and to learn a little bit more about the ballot questions that they'll be um, voting on, that's all part of our democracy. And I believe that the Secretary of State should be the chief democracy officer and as part of her role, um, should be creating opportunities for people to not just read about candidates or ballot questions but also um, participate in uh, forums to learn more about these candidates and the questions.
2: Okay, but, but most importantly, you're not thinking about changing the paper stock, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, <laughs> I,
2: I actually collect them. I have it's a box of them going back to like 1982. No, and no. Uh, I, I just wanna make sure that they smell the same. No. <laughs> no?
1: No. Nope. this is it, again financial burden on the commonwealth and also an environmental burden we have to do better
2: oh, okay lost my vote <laughs> <laughs> Listen. i
0: swear you're almost as bad as those font nerds <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Take us home, Mike. That's it.
0: All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry we have to leave it there. We are uh, running out of time here. But, uh, I
1: greatly appreciate it. Can I just say folks can visit my website, TanishaSullivan.com. They can follow me on social at Tanisha, the number four M-A. Would love to keep in contact with folks. Would love for folks to join our mailing list and learn more about our campaign. I am Tanisha Sullivan. I'm running to be your next Secretary of State here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts.
0: And if you like what you heard, you can vote for her on September 6th here in Massachusetts. Thank you, Ms. Sullivan. It's been a great having you on the show. Thank you. That's going to do it for civil politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Coming up next, we've got table of contents. Oh, sorry. We've got, uh, sorry, we got subculture, <laughs> followed by table of contents at 10, then OK Asia at midnight. And uh, yeah, we've got a podcast of the show goes out around Monday morning and a repeat broadcast on Mondays at four. So I hope you're listening to us all over again. But that'll do it for now. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.